the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We tend to think of Paul as this amazing intellectual spiritual giant. He had a different view. We'll take a look at that view and how it plays into God's hand next on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church, right here in Hercules. Hi there, and welcome to our program. This is Truth For Today. Our teacher and our pastor here at Valley Bible Church is Pastor Phil Howard. He's continuing our survey of 2 Corinthians. We're once again in chapters 11 and 12 with a message called Human Inadequacy, the Conduit for God's Power. How does God display His power? Well, through human inadequacy, as we're seeing in the life of Paul. For the details, once again, here's Pastor Phil. I want you to turn to Proverbs 29, and I think I've probably heard this verse. Uh, uh, I'll try not to be extreme. At least a hundred times. Anytime uh, people wondering where we ought to go, what we ought to do, without a vision, the people perish. Has anyone ever heard that? Without a vision, the people perish. Pastor, what's your vision? Well, for how far out do you want me to go? First of all, I don't know that I'll be alive tomorrow. Amen. Do you want it to go beyond that? Oh, how many buildings do you plan to build? How many of this and that? I want you to look at the verse before you use some big management theme on me. I'm about the Bible. I'm not an MBA. Amen. Verse 18 Where there is no, and I'm using ESV, and if you have a New American Standard, it will say Revelation. Other translations vary, but this is the way they translate it. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, let me say what it means, the vision, vision was not a management by objective statement. Without a word from God, and he mentions the law, without, and in the book of wisdom, without divinely revealed wisdom, without divinely revealed boundaries, without a word from God, without a word from God, the people will live unrestrained lives. That's what the verse means. So, when I bring it to me and the Christian life, and when I bring it as a leader in God's church, what vision should I bring to the church? I understand I ought to bring the vision of the one I represent. This is not my church. I don't have any blood in it, nor do you. The church doesn't belong to us. We're members of it, but there's one head. He's the boss. 
I can't hear you out there. There's one boss. And we need to discover his vision, his objectives, his purposes for his church. Because we can make it into our own image. We can make it to be what we want and ruin it. I was praying here the other day, and forbid it, uh, forgive me if this sounds crude, but as I was praying with staff, I, it just simply came to me, God, don't let us screw up your church. It's beautiful what you want to do. Don't let us screw it up. He's entrusted us with a local church for however long he wants, as long as we have breath, until he comes. Let us not mess it up. Let us follow orders. Now, three core values that I underscore about us. I wanted to put God. We are about God. Uh, And I'll just take that for granted that you're into God. And what is that, the God part? A triune God that is magnificent. And I would think that his people would be devoting their life as showing off how magnificent God is. Now, do you use your Bible in church? 1 Peter 2.9. Go. 1 Peter 2.9. There's going to be a Bible quiz morning because I'm taking verses from everywhere. 1 Peter 2.9. And this is just saying that we ought to be about God. And look what it says in 2.9, a fabulous verse. He says right here, but you are a chosen race. This is amazing. This is what he said about Israel in Exodus 19. Now he says it about the people of his church. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. How come? Purpose clause. In order that you may proclaim the praises. What other translations? Excellencies, magnificence, superlatives, uniqueness, the greatness of him who called you. Are you doing that? Does God look big when I talk to you? Is God big? Paul said in Philippians 1, the purpose of me living is to make Christ look magnificent in my body. Does our non-looking world see a magnificent Christ in us individually and in us corporately? That's what God wants us to do. And three things out of that is the gospel. We are about the gospel, which means... Uh, we are about what God has done for us and not about what we do for him. Our message, our message is the good news that God wants to do something good and has done something good for his enemies that if you would only believe in his son, you could become a part of his family. We're about the gospel, not good works to get saved. We're not a performance religion. You can't work your way to heaven. I'm sorry. And I'm not ashamed. We're always trying to get you to serve, trying to get you. But not work your soul to save, for that my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave out of love for God's dear son. Did you ever hear that? 
I will not work my soul to save, for that my Lord has done. But I'll work like any slave out of love for God's dear son. I can't make you love Christ enough to want to serve him. You know, that, that's part of our problem. I can't make you love him. I can't make you want him. I can't even talk you into being saved. That's a helpless state, isn't it? Only he can make you want him. Only he can make you want him. Us poor preachers try, but we're seed sowers. We'll appeal to you. We'll appeal to you. He's worth it. He's worth it. But we want to be about the gospel. God saves and loves sinners. And out of that is a, a not only our growth in grace, and that is we want to be a people that are sharing God's grace and growing in it. And church can be easily become a legalism where you always feel like uh, uh, you're earning God's favor. Or it can become a very judgmental environment. Uh, it can take on a pharisaical, we're better than the culture, or we're better than the lost people we know. It is dastardly opposed to the attitude we should have. Grace means we live out of gratitude, thankfulness. I shared with the group yesterday uh, an amazing and overwhelming conversation I was having with my brother, David Winstey, uh, recovering from a surgery and I've had some blue days, had some down days. And so I called him and uh, we were talking together. And uh, he, he said, you know, Phil, I've been asking why a lot lately. And I thought, oh, well, I know when you're sick, you get down and you, you can get introspective and you can be down. He said, yeah, I've been asking a lot of whys. And I said, go on, David. Uh, what, what is the why? He said, I've been asking why over and over, why God would save me. I don't ask why my troubles. I got them coming. He caught me. Told her, I said, keep on, David. What are you talking about? He said, Phil, I have to say, now he's crying. My brother doesn't cry much. I do the crying in the family. Not David. He said, I absolutely would not have saved Dave Howard if I was in his place. Why me? Why did God save you? Are you better than those other sinners around you that never did believe? Those other friends you grew up with? Uh, hoodlums, thieves, whatever. Whatever category, does it matter? Why you? Why you? I'm so used to hearing people say, why is this my, my suffering? Why did I lose that? Why? You know, everything good is supposed to happen to me. Anything negative, why, God? And here's my brother saying, I've just been reflecting. I'm staggering at 79 over the fact that God has saved a man I wouldn't save. Why did God save you? And please don't bring another spirit to the church. And to other poor sinners. It's like God was lucky to get me. We got to bring him. I'm another sinner that was desperate. And if God could save me, he could save you. I can hear you. 
I, I raised an amen in church. If I'm lying, don't amen it. If I'm saying the truth, you amen it. You self-righteous Pharisee, if you don't amen that. Come on. I'm telling the truth. We don't want to be self-righteous, impudent Pharisees. Don't be hard on our young people. What were you doing when you were 16? Come on, let's talk. What were you doing? Which hubcaps did you steal? And what girl were you trying to seduce? And we all of a sudden get in the church, you think we never sinned. Oh, yeah, you sinned. I can see it right in your eyeball right now. We're sinners. Saved by grace. We want to advertise the grace of God. Not, we're so good. Terrible, terrible spirit. It ruined Judaism. That self-righteousness. And then we want to grow. And by growing is continually becoming like Christ. Not just in knowledge. Uh, The knowledge thing never ends. There's more to know, you know, just Bible, facts. But are you growing in Christ's likeness, being conformed to him? Can we see more Christ in you this year? Have you stopped murmuring? Have you stopped complaining? Have you stopped blaming? Have you got out of the old uh, thinking and sins where God found you? Has he changed your thinking? Has he changed your love life? Have you begun to love people? See, are you growing? Are you growing? And it's a wonderful thing in my life to have seen people in this church. I knew them when they were unsaved, and I've seen them saved. I think about Don Andrews. I was with Don Andrews uh, 43 years ago at Alliance Redwoods. Saw him come to Christ at that weekend marriage conference we had. Got it. I've seen him for, I've watched him, I know him, and I know him well through my brother who worked with him. I've watched 43 years of man being changed. It's a thrill. Is God changing you? That's what we mean by grow. Growing in, out of what you were into the new man God wants to make you to be. Well, uh, we want to, uh, when we talk about God's uh, uh, purpose in life, uh, first of all, he wants to save you. You, you know that, don't you? And, and uh, save in the Bible is a three-tenths word. It's, uh, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Those are all three tenses uh, in the original language. I have been saved, past tense, perfect tense in Greek. Ephesians 2.8, I have been saved. So if you ask me, are you saved? I could say, I am saved. I am. And if you put faith in Christ, you're saved. But am I everything I ought to be? I try to convince you I am, but don't talk to my wife. I am becoming I'm becoming more like Christ because he continually is saving me. You know what? The blood of Christ is continually uh, availing to cleanse me in present tense living, cleansing me from sin. So I'm constantly being saved, even as you are. Ultimately, you will be saved with a glorified body. You will see Christ. You'll never sin again. You'll be perfect forever. So, when I ask you, are you saved? You can say, 
uh, one-third is complete. Two-thirds are in process. I'm being and I will. So, uh, God wants you to be saved. Uh, God has gifted you as a believer. If you're God's child, we have enough gifts in this church, spiritual gifts on deposit in people like you, that this church should have no lack of any ministry if everybody did their gift. It's like if everybody in this church was taught and tithing and did tithe, which in America... Uh, most Christians give less than 2%. So, but if we were a tithing church that I grew up, how many ever tithed in your life? Uh, did, did any of you start tithing while you were in your teenage years? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, Kevin Hodges, I'll never forget. I was uh, out here with my grandchildren. We're running go-karts when you, when Sunday. No Sunday night service. So Sean and I had grandchildren out running go-karts on the Sabbath. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I, I, we're there. Kevin Hodges pulls up and everything. And, and I said, hey, Kevin, how you doing? Man, what are you doing out here? Did you know about this? No, no. He, and, and he whips out, and he, he's got a check or an envelope. He said, here. And I said, what's this? He said, this is my tithe. I never keep God's money over Sunday Right there. You go talk to him. Now, we could take another offering. Some of you are holding out. Get him. Kevin, we'll make you a nutter at the back door. But I'll never forget that. He said, no, I, I, I couldn't make Sunday morning service. So I came out. I don't want this money on me. It's God's money for God's church. Never forget it, Kevin. I fell in love with you that day. <laughs> He's dear to me. Uh, we've been saved for good works. I've got to keep going. I'm not going fast enough. Uh, this is such good stuff. Ephesians 2.10 said one of the reasons God saved you. There's three reasons God saved you. We know for sure. He didn't want you to perish, John 3.16. He wants to save you as a trophy of his grace, Ephesians 2, 5 through 7. And he saved you because he created you for a set of good works that only he knows, and you'll never find them out doing nothing. You have to get engaged somewhere. Uh, How many of you knew when you accepted Christ that God wanted to use you? I I sure didn't. I'm just a kid. I didn't think I was ever going to be a preacher. I'm just a kid. I just don't want to go to hell. I want to be a Christian. And all of a sudden, I find out I've put a special gift and I've got a set of works I'm going to do through you for your whole lifetime. What a wonderful plan. I can't hardly plan a vacation and to find out God from eternity has mapped out what he wants me to do. And he's working all things together for my good in his purpose. Is that true? God came up with that before daytimers came out, before calendars were made. And the issue you're going to answer at the end of your life, did you do the good works? And we all stand before Christ. And he says, I'm going to reward you and make you accountable 
for all the good works I plan to do through you. And there won't be anybody here just but you and I. And that's 2 Corinthians 5.10. We all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for what we've done in our body since we've become a believer as to whether it was good or whether it was worthless. You know what? I've watched more basketball in the last two years following the Warriors. It's been exciting, but in eternal values, worthless. I even watched the Super Bowl. Nobody thought it could happen. I was walking out in the third quarter. said, it can't be. I mean, you know, I'm putting the basketball on the football field, but I just said, it's over. What am I saying that? Let's forget Brady. Um, uh, God, God will not use you without your permission. He will not force you to do his will. Uh, what is valley about? We've said it over and over. There's really three purposes we know Christ has said. On that mount, he said, I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to a bunch of failure men, 11 men plus a few others. I want you to go to the nations. I want you to evangelize them. The going means you go and initiate telling them about Christ. If they believe, baptize them. And if they're willing to follow Christ at baptism, teach them to observe. So we see our purpose as a church. We've got to be finding ways and become a lifestyle that we are pursuing lost people at all times. And it's the hardest thing the church does. Because this church has never had an evangelistic pastor. I'm a teaching pastor. Uh, I get close to evangelism because I can exhort you and make you feel guilty that you're not doing it. But I can't make you do it. I can't make myself do it. Are we other-centered, lost people? Too often we treat lost people like the enemy instead of the victims. They are enslaved and need the good news. So evangelism is one of our pressing burdens. We struggle with it all the time. We've only had a few people that have stepped forward in mercy teams They've worked with Sean or Edwin, and some of you, we've all been in there. Uh, When I first hired Steve Fernandez years ago in this church, it was for the purpose of evangelism. We did evangelism explosion in those days. It's the thing. They call it the downward escalator in every church. We, We all want to have a Bible class, but you can't have a Bible class with someone you've never reached. If you think it through, well, you say, well, no, no, I I want to be with saved people. Well, how did they get saved? Somebody reached them. Was it you? No, no, that's not my gift. Forget about your gift. Did you reach them for Christ? You won't have anyone to teach eventually if we're not reaching. If we're not getting, who are you going to teach? The same people over and over, and they say, man, I've heard this a hundred times. Well, sure you have. Why don't you tell it to people who have never heard it once? We keep trying to convince the convinced. And they say, you don't say it as good as you used to. No, because you've heard me say it a hundred times. 
guess what? It's supposed to be multiplied. Go. And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. As we close out our broadcast, we would invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church, and we would also invite you to stop by our website and take advantage of added resource materials we've made available through this ministry. You see, as we come to you on a daily basis, it's our hope and desire that you grow in Christ, that you find yourself sustained by His grace through the teaching and preaching of His Word. Along those lines, we've created Truth For Today Radio, which is a website that contains a lot of other extracurricular resource materials that you can add to your relationship with Christ as you seek to grow in Him. We also have information about who we are, what we believe, and worship opportunities at Valley Bible Church, where this broadcast originates, here in Hercules. We have directions, we have service times, all of it. It's available at truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like to contact us by phone, you're welcome to do so at 855-833-9864. Again, that's 855-833-9864. As always, you're welcome to write to us. The address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. We would also ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us, and not just prayerfully, but financially as well, as this broadcast and the many resource materials available along with it are available as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. Our goal and desire is to minister to the greater Bay Area, and we can do that more and more as you link arms with us again financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. And whether it's a one-time gift or monthly gift, it's all appreciated. And your prayers even more so. Reach us at truthfortodayradio.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.